Hello, everyone. You are listening to the first episode of the Decorative Arts Podcast. Very exciting. But I should warn everyone, I am a novice, first-time podcaster, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, I'm excited about my first guest, Anna Lee, a graduate student at Parsons Master's Program of History of Design and Curatorial Studies. She is going to be talking about dream catchers, which I find so interesting. So let's jump right in. Annalie, what interested you in this topic? Um, so I've, I started exploring this topic because one of our classes that I took through the program was called Objects of Dispute. And so we were kind of tasked with using a decorative arts object or like a material object to try to think about a larger social issue and so people did things like a record label like cover and um I think like someone did a museum exhibition like one of the objects in the museum exhibition oh wow and so um one of like our program is in conjunction with the Cooper Hewitt, which is the Smithsonian Design Museum. And so somebody explored one of the previous exhibitions and maybe some of the problems associated with it. And so it was cool because, like, it was a really small class. And um, the teacher was Glenn Adamson, who's, like, pretty well-known scholar in the field of craft and decorative arts. And so, yeah, and I guess, like, Were they, did they have to be, like, craft items? Did he, like, put a parameter on? There was no parameter. So, like, I think somebody did, like, an X-Acto knife. So it was really, really widespread, like, what people chose. But um, I chose dream catchers. um, Because I, like, when I was little, I had, like, a dream catcher that my mom had bought in Santa Fe, like, from a Native American. And then when I went to summer camp... We, like, made dream catchers there, and there was, like, this whole story about their origin. And then, um, then like, later I was a counselor at the same camp, and, like, we learned how to make Aww. them for real. Because, like, the one in fifth grade was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, and I kind of was thinking, and so he wanted us, Glenn Adamson, wanted us to think about, like, current issues. And so I was, like what is an issue that is going on right now that I don't know that much about, but, like, I kind of wish that I knew more about. And Mm -hmm. so I challenged myself to explore, like, the the Dakota Access Pipeline. Yeah. And, like, I wanted to look into what the protests were about and, like, why – what was the controversy? Because, like, I had obviously seen the news reports, but I didn't – I hadn't, like, delved very deep into it. And so I used the Dreamcatcher as, like, a metaphor for how – um, how the appropriation of Native American tradition and, like, sort of images is kind of taken out of context and how only certain aspects of their culture are actually valued by, like, yeah. the mainstream society in America over Completely, the past, yeah. like, I mean, it's the same thing with headdresses. Years. Right. There were headdresses. But you said something really interesting about how things pass through the dream catcher. Like, okay, so everyone should know she sent me, like, a little article. (laughs) What was that? Was that for your class? That That was, like, the paper, and then I adapted it for, like, an article. Okay. And where did did you publish that article? Yeah, it's going into the RMA program journal. 
So there's, like, an academic journal that they do every year. The objective. The objective. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, because it just looked really professional. I was like, ooh, what is she sending me? Oh, like, yeah. So, and then I was like, yeah. this is hers? I was like, this is so cool. So the setup was really interesting. But she, you talked about how past through. So do you want to, like, expand on what you said in that? Yeah, so I was kind of talking about how, well, I mean, we're familiar with, like, how Native Americans have, are present in, like, images in our society. Mm-hmm. So, like, everything from, like, the Land O'Lakes butter label <laughs> to, like, sports teams mascots, which are, like, obviously problematic on so many levels. Yeah. But, like, that was a tradition for a really long time. And, like, I think we're tr- finally trying to sort of recognize it and rectify it. But... For a long time, there was, like, this aspect of Native American culture that was kind of, like, idolized. and But then it didn't really match up with what was going on big picture, which was, like, massive land taken away and, like, governments interfering with the lives of Native Americans and really, like, obviously causing a lot of death and destruction and um, tons of problems. Um, and so I kind of expanded on that and sort of tried to think of this, uh, the dream catcher as a metaphor because the dream catcher, the story of it, or like the tradition associated with it, and it comes from the Ojibwa people, mm-hmm. um, is that it's like a woven... Which are in New York? They're like in the, of the upper Great Lakes okay. region. Okay. Yeah, so like going into Canada and like northern Midwest. Um, and so like the... Dreamcatcher's net, like we're familiar with the object as a circle with the net, and what it's supposed to be hung over a baby's cradle or a child's bed, and um, and sometimes even adults. And it's the idea is that the dreams that are in the air that enter your body when you're sleeping, um, the bad dreams will get caught or they have jagged edges and they'll get caught in the net. And then the good dreams that are smooth will pass through. And so there's kind of this idea that some aspects of Native American culture are passing through to mainstream, like we're allowing them through, but the rest of their actual well-being and culture is being caught. And so the example of the Dakota Access Pipeline is is obviously one of those things that's been caught and has been ignored and really just not taken into consideration. I know. I think that's so interesting too. When I read that, I was like, it's so true because like the, like images that we have of native Americans is like not really the full picture. And I feel like it's almost like a detriment that we are not like, like our like sort of like white American culture doesn't allow like the full story of the native American culture to pass through because they have so many interesting traditions Mm -hmm. and we don't really realize that those traditions are so different among the different native American tribes. Yeah. And I feel like that really gets lost too. Like, yeah, there's like an essentializing of the native American as like a whole people's when they're like really a, like, it's a, a tra- yeah, like, cultures. Yeah, yeah, different languages. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so interesting to me that when I read that, I was like, wow, that's so true. And it's yeah. so terrible. But, like, I thought it was interesting how you connected it, though, to the pipeline. Because then it, like, brings up a narrative of, like, how we should be reacting to these um, objects. Yeah. And, like, cur- currently. 
not just like in the past like how mm-hmm. is it ongoing so yeah and like we're familiar with the object there you mentioned like we're so familiar with like the interest what we think of the, as the interesting parts mm-hmm. of like Native American culture like the spirituality aspects and like the craftiness the craftiness yeah. that goes along with it that's like appealing to our sensibilities and I think that's like the the overarching problem I mean it's been through the entire history like you think about like Buffalo Bill's Wild West show and like there people are fascinated with Native Americans and like their the imagery associated with them. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, like, this ignoring of the actual person behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, like, a normal group of nations that did fight mm-hmm. and did have, like, this total history of trading and, yeah. like, economy, basically, that, like, has been completely forgotten. Exactly. Which is crazy. And erased. Yeah, completely yeah. erased. <laughs> completely erased. And it's... Um, upsetting so I I thought it was really cool but I think it's also interesting that like it's not that we shouldn't embrace these objects but that we should also like people should come to realize the significance behind them like yeah knowing that like it came from the Ojibwe tribe Mm -hmm. that it wasn't everywhere like you know what I mean that these like objects that we're seeing have a connection to something like we would be offended, I think, if, yeah. like, they, like, the Ford cars now that are super American, like, got attributed to, like, Australians and Canadians or something. Like, yeah, exactly. can you imagine the American people would have, like, a meltdown? <laughs> yeah. would be so upset. Yeah, it's interesting to put, like, it in context of the present day and, like, um, in, like, the sense of loyalty and nationality. Um yeah. So did you learn more about the Dakota Access Pipeline situation? Yeah, I mean, I I started looking into what the different sides have, like, there, there's not a lot of really bipartisan coverage of it because it's, like, so... The only thing that you can really get to are, like, news articles, which obviously give, like, a really small snippet. They're, like, here's two lines about what the conflict is mm-hmm. and then, like, going on to talk about something else but um there's really interesting literature online from both the company that's doing it and um the actual um i think standing it's the, rock sioux tribe and yeah. like their allies who and people from all over the country have come to kind of it's not even like a protest as much as like a a presence in the mm-hmm. place and like a, an awareness of what's happening and like trying to draw attention to like this injustice that was really going to just pass completely unrecognized. Yeah, And it's like, so the issue, and we thought we was going to be fine for a while until yeah. the election happened. Yeah, it's but, become um, relevant again. Right. Because it's, I think just a few weeks ago, I think, Trump said something about, like, he was just going to give it the go-ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when the pipeline was first being um, planned, it was supposed to go north of Bismarck, which is obviously a 
very populated city with lots of white people and it's crossing over the river and um they obviously that didn't go forward because people were concerned about the water supply so let's just move it south and make and affect you know the reservations water instead (laughs) what kills me about it i don't know if anyone's seen an image of it but the pipeline literally there's two separate reservations actually that are separated by like non-native owned land Mm -hmm. um or which is like kind of its own topic (laughs) yeah it's really weird it should have just it's it's just so bureaucratic that they're not connected. I don't know. There's like bizarre. a whole history of how like land ownership was yeah, and the taken away Sioux with the particularly in that area have been sort of like really neglected in history. Like the battles mm-hmm. that it's just interesting. But it was interesting is the image it like there's a space where the pipeline could have gone through that didn't hit the barrel site and literally wasn't on the edge of these reservations and like could have gone in the middle of that yeah. space and it chooses someone chose to put it on the border and I just think like really like yeah. who was this planner that was like instead of putting it in the middle where like it's like actual yeah like not reservation like, why don't, instead of putting it there like put it on this like border and like right I just like wonder who the they edge. are yeah, yeah. like <laughs> let's make it a millimeter from their sacred burial yeah. ground just I so know. bizarre I just don't get it it's right and I think like there's problems because the burial ground isn't technically documented and which it's like do we have to have documents for all of these things yeah. I know and it's yeah it's super interesting to think yeah. about and especially burial grounds like I feel like that happened with um like African-American heritage mm-hmm. and it's now just been rectified and now we're like the same it's thing like has to be done. Conflict all over the world. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like a really difficult topic, I think, in general, it is. because there there has to be a pipeline somewhere, right? And that was what the literature online about the from the company has a lot to do with. Like, this is the kind of safety that the pipeline brings about. Like, it takes trucks off the highways and stuff like that, which is all good and like. Definitely there are benefits to it, but we have to consider that, like, pipelines are, yeah. they're not perfect feats of engineering. Like, no. it's impossible for it to be perfect and for it to be completely safe. And, like, if you're jeopardizing someone's water supply, like, yeah. that seems like a bigger problem. Yeah, I'm, to me, it, it, like, have the pipeline, but spend the money to put it where it should be. You right. know what I mean? Like, like. They're just trying to cut costs at this point yeah. and make it as directly lined as possible. And I'm like, that solves no issues. Yeah. I mean, I think stepping back and, like, we're, you know, we're students of, That's like, true. design and decorative arts. And so, like, my background with this is still very limited with both studying Native American culture yeah, and material true. culture as well as this, like, whole political environment. I'm sort of out of my comfort zone on both of those topics. Yeah. So I was like, for some, for some reason, I was like, I am going to challenge myself with this topic. And so... That's good, though. Yeah. I feel like that should be, like, what design is about. Not exactly. just, like, this is an object and this is where it came, like, came from. That's important. But also, like, what is its importance now, too? And, like, how does this educate people or mm-hmm. change something or someone right yeah and it's giving some sort of like importance to the field yeah in a current 
presence in the political world and like, yeah. this world that we're living in right now. Like, how can we, as design historians, make some sort of difference in what we do and what we know yeah. and what we're good at? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I need to learn so much more about history. <laughs> I know. there's It's endless. <laughs> I know. There's so many historical figures. I'm like, when I... I, okay, so this is crazy. So I was in Washington, D.C., visiting my sister, and um, I'm in a craft class right now. And so we were talking about – or I had written something about the Rookwood Pottery, which is in Cincinnati. You can Google it. It'll come up right away, and it'll tell you what it is. <laughs> but it um, – someone's – there was, like, some Longsworth, like, um, woman in the White House – and I can't remember, it was like either, it was like one, it was Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, now <laughs> I just sound dumb, yeah, I think okay. so, yeah, at the turn of the century, yeah, yeah it was Theodore <laughs> Roosevelt, and his, it was like his daughter, or, yeah, his daughter or someone was like a Longsworth, and this is crazy, she's related, someone in the White House, one of the women, is related to Maria Longsworth Nichols, store who founded the Rookwood Pottery. And so we were going around on this, like, White House nighttime tour oh my God. about ghosts and stuff, because, oh. like, it wasn't even a real <laughs> history tour. It was literally about ghosts. <laughs> and they were talking about her because she's sassy and she still haunts the White House because, oh like, she was, like, a mover and shaker of things, like, loved to, like, go out and have a good time and was just, like, full of life. Okay. And... Which was, like, not a thing at the turn of century women. Like, they didn't do that. They, like, got married and stayed home. Yeah, it was, like, ten stuffy. years later yeah. when people started. Yeah. yeah. And so I was, I was like, when they said her name, I was freaked out. I was like, I know that name. <laughs> and I totally geeked out my sister. And she was like, you are so weird for knowing that. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, totally into this. But, yeah, there's just, like, weird connections like that. I, I feel know. like you couldn't even ever know all of that because it's just insane how – everyone's connected sometimes like exactly not always I know it's like I've I learned more in this program we've been in this program for less than a year <laughs> and I've learned more about history than I did like my entire education yeah so far it's crazy in undergrad in high school like I know more about just like general history it's yeah. a really cool way it's like a cool lens to look through to learn about history because yeah. it's like it kind of gets into what the day-to-day was like and like how the way people lived relates to overall historical events and themes yeah yeah like how your ma- the material culture reflects the historical moment in time yeah so crazy to think about well yeah. is there anything else you would like to add about the dream catcher? Any, I like, mean, weird facts that you found out? Or, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, something funny? Like, was there anything, like, that stood out to you and you're, like, not necessarily having to do, like, just with your research, but were you ever going through things and then you were, like, wait, I did not know that. That's totally insane. Or did nothing I, really so surprise you? Like, there's something that came up, and I don't know if it's necessarily, like, a weird thing. It's more like, kind of, like, another concerning thing. This is, like, sort of a downer topic that's but um <laughs> we're gonna end on a bad note today, <laughs> no, no, no. but like um so for this journal I had to submit images and like I 
when I wrote the article. And so with the paper, I hadn't had any images. And so I was kind of looking around, like trying to find some good Mm -hmm. images. And I found really good images of like the Dapple site and like people camped out and stuff, which was cool. But I like couldn't find a good, like historically accurate dream catcher. Like Mm. no matter what I did, it was like the only types of dream catchers that you could find online were like, tattoos or like really really colorful ones that you could buy like urban outfitters so or like wear to coachella or like (laughs) i know and or like in gift shops Mm -hmm. like i couldn't even find the object like in a museum in a in a history museum or anything what i ended up finding was at the the national museum of natural history they had like a baby cradle with a um with a like an Ojibwa baby cradle with a dream catcher type of like talisman hanging on it and I don't know if it was technically a dream catcher but Mm -hmm. it was like kind of gave the image enough that it like kind of provided a context image but it was just interesting and like part of me was like oh my gosh I can't believe that like these things don't exist in museums but then also if you think about them as objects like they are very ephemeral they're made from you know, bent wood and, like, the yeah. sinew from an an animal's bone or, like, their um, tendons or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then, like, um, with, like, feathers and all things from the natural world. Mm-hmm. And so they're necessarily not a sort of thing that is preserved. Yeah. Because they either fall apart or they are discarded and kind of, like, fall back into the ground and the nature and so they don't they don't they don't have the same staying powder power as other types of things that you would find in museums um so it's kind of like a yeah that is really interesting it was interesting but it also was like I could kind of like reassure that that's kind of the nature of the object yeah um but I mean they still are sold at dream at like gift shops everywhere yeah buy them for like four dollars I'm pretty sure I have one that was, like, my grandmother picked up in, like, Arizona. Yeah. And, like, possibly made by someone who was Native American. But the sad right. thing is, like, I'll never know because well, she probably doesn't know. It's there's there have been laws since then. Since, like, um, I think the first one is in the 30s. I could be wrong. I remembered this when I was doing my research. This is a highly researched podcast. <laughs> um, but... There was, like, an act passed where you cannot falsely advertise anything as, like, being Native American. So you can't even say, like, I'm selling this Native American dream catcher. Even because it's not made by somebody. Like, you have to have, like, a documented. So it really protected, like, the industry. And so kind of turning it back on itself, like, the dream catcher has provided, like, a nice source of income for Native Americans who make them because they are so popular and they're bought by people and, like, they are a way of disseminating the culture in, like, a positive way. Yeah, no, there's a whole craft, like, the Indian Market Trail, you guys can also Google that, is really cool, and they have them all over the country. mm -hmm. Um, It's, like, the... uh, I can't remember the exact name of the act, but it's, like, the Indian Craft Act of 1930 Oh, wow, so cool. like that. 
And there was, like, another version of it, too. But it basically protected their the authenticity of the dream catchers that were actually Wow, made that's by. so important. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's an interesting way to look at the issue through this object that's so familiar to all of us. Yeah. It's super interesting. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about dream catchers. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to look at mine differently now. I'm pretty sure that mine might be pretty authentic because there is a baby in an Ojibwe crib with my dream catcher. Really? Yeah. So I think she must have bought it at one of those markets that go around the country. Oh, okay. Because that's I always wondered why it was in that cradle. Like, it's the woman, it's the kind where they're, like, strapped in and they sit yeah, on their mother's yeah. back. And it's attached somehow. It's like a cradle board. Yes, and it's the baby cradle board. And then hanging down from the cradle board is the dream catcher. Oh, nice. I know. So, I mean. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's, like, I know. from a place where, obviously, the context was given. Yeah, they're yeah. aware of, like, the at least the context, which is so interesting because now I know. I literally just thought about it and I was like, wait, <laughs> I don't just have a dream catcher. I have a dream catcher and the child in the cradle. That's and I was crazy. thinking about it. I know. Well, thank you so much again. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.